0: What would you do if you got the news that your precious two year old son had a rare, aggressive, and incurable stage four cancer? Today, we will hear about one Albuquerque, New Mexico family's journey after receiving such devastating news. Today, my guests are husband and wife and the parents of now three year old Sebastian. We will also share the many ways you can participate and join them on their journey of hope, healing, and miracles. Michael B. Casaus and Naomi Natale are the proud parents to Santiago and Sebastian. Michael is a native New Mexican and has been an environmental advocate, conservationist, ethnobotanist, and nonprofit leader for over 20 years. As the wilderness society's new mexico state director he brings diverse stakeholders together to protect the land and water that sustains our families and communities he is committed to public service and has dedicated his career to advancing diversity and conservation and environmental movements he has served on several volunteer boards including the new mexico environmental law center and the Recuerda A César Chavez Committee. He is a recipient of numerous awards and is a WK Kellogg Foundation Community Leadership Network Fellow. He now realizes that his decades of advocacy experience have all been in the preparation for finding a cure for Sebastian's cancer. Naomi has over 16 years experience creating and directing national and international art projects that bring people together to address social issues. Naomi is the founding artist of the One Million Bones Project, a social practice work in which over 150,000 people from 50 states and 30 countries created over one million handmade bones to address ongoing genocide and mass atrocities in Sudan, South Sudan, Congo, Burma, and Syria. In June of 2013, 1,018,260 bones were installed on the National Mall in Washington, DC. Naomi lectures in the US and abroad on the power of art to build community and bring people together. Naomi is a TED Global Fellow, TED Senior Fellow, a Robert Rauschenberg Foundations Artist as Activist Fellow, a Carl Wilkins Fellow, and a recipient of an Arts and Healing Network Award. As you can see, they are both very well connected in the community, making a difference in the lives of other people. Before we start our conversation together, I want to first play a brief video clip. For those of you who normally listen to the audio podcast or the iHeartRadio program, today you may also want to watch the YouTube or Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership television version of the show to see the beautiful family images in this video. If you're only able to listen to the audio version, then you will hear Sebastian's song written by Ahmad Rose Tadeo and sung by Saeed Taji Faruqi. Sebastian's song is part of a larger project of healing songs for Sebastian. So take a listen.
1: Oh, bright light, we feel you growing. We see.
0: Welcome, Michael and Naomi. You both are very, very special people, and I'm delighted to have you as my guest on The Voice of Leadership and Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Thank you so much for being here with me today.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Karen, for having us here. It's an honor to be with you and to have this opportunity to share our story.
0: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Michael, and thank you, Naomi. I really want to hear your story, and I want the audience to hear your story as well. And since we just finished listening to the video that you created, tell us a little bit about Sebastian's song. How was that song born? What's the meaning of it? And what's the larger music project that you spawned from this special song? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, um, The day that Sebas was, uh, we were given the diagnosis of his um, very rare cancer, myoepithelial carcinoma. Uh, We were admitted to the hospital. It's a very rare cancer. There's not much information, and we weren't given much information in terms of what it meant for him. Um, However, in in the next couple of days, we learned that it was metastatic, meaning that it had spread to his lungs. We were told the prognosis was poor that it was as scary as it could be those were the words we were given uh, my background as an artist has always been to bring people together and i felt very desperate in that moment we were in the hospital for a few days and i was thinking how do we share this news with people in a way that serves sebas but can also serve others as well um and ultimately We were asking people to pray, so we were, I asked two friends to write and share a song for Sebas that I could first sing to his cells. I thought if I could sing to his cells, that they would hear that and they would understand it as a prayer of mine. But knowing that my voice would never be able to carry as long as we would need these prayers to continue, we asked others to then record themselves singing these songs to make a collective song of healing and it's beautiful we got you know submissions um responses from people all over the world they're sung in arabic they're sung in french in uh, mandarin in spanish of course and so really it is a song for all of us
0: that's beautiful i love that story and i love the way that you brought music into it and we all know that music is very powerful it has the ability to touch the soul to touch the spirit and to move things around in a supernatural way, actually. So it's quite an important medium and a healing medium that you're actually speaking through song. So thank you for sharing the story of Sebastian's song. And people can still add to the song even today. Is that right?
2: That's right. We would love that. And, and that people would share the song for others who may find comfort in it as well.
0: That's also beautiful too. So even though it's Sebastian's song, other people, other children who may be going through a similar situation, they can also benefit from this healing artwork that you've put together. So thank you so much, Naomi, for sharing about that. What about the video itself? What prompted the two of you to actually create this video about Sebastian's story?
2: You know, we created this video, one, to to show people what we were fighting for as a family. We're a very private family. We don't share a lot of, we, before this, we had never shared a lot of personal photos online or anywhere. Um, however, we really felt that if we were going to describe and explain it, or really illustrate what it is what that we're fighting for when we're fighting for our son and to find a cure, that we wanted to share some of our most cherished memories. It is ultimately a portrait of our family to honor all other families that might be going through this, that they might see themselves in these memories and what it means to fight for your family.
0: It's a very inspiring video. And I remember when I first saw it, I I was very touched and I was very moved by your story and by your situation. And it prompted me to say, well, what can I do that might help? And even just to get the word out even right now. So thank you for creating the video and for getting out of the comfort zone to really share maybe more of your life than you're accustomed to sharing, because I know that other lives are gonna be touched and impacted as a result of that. Michael, we haven't heard too much from you yet. What else would you like to add at this point?
3: Well, I think the power of of video and images is something that resonates with most people. And so, by sharing images and video of Sebastian when he was a child, you know, an ordinary healthy child who loved playing with his older brother, Santiago, he loved playing with trucks and balls, jumping on trampolines, to show those images while also showing the reality of, of his chemo uh, treatment uh, in the hospital. I think was our way of trying to connect with other families whose children um, have faced this horrible disease, cancer. And so um, we're hoping, as Naomi mentioned, that uh, while this video um, is really a story about us and Sebastian, uh, that others can really uh, see themselves and and their realities uh, reflected in it.
0: That's wonderful. That's outstanding. Now take us back to when you first found out that Sebastian had this cancer. I know it was back in October of 2021. Let's go back there for a moment. How did you find out? What were you told? And what did you learn about myoepithelial carcinoma at the time?
3: So last um, August, as I mentioned, our otherwise healthy two-year-old son, Sebastian, were washing his hands one day and found a a lump um, on the the palm of his hand that kind of came out of nowhere. He's an active child learning how to ride a bike. And so we thought maybe he fell on his bike. He got bit by a bug or or something and um, monitored it for a few days. But when it wasn't going away is when we decided to take him in to the doctor. So we took him in. Um, They uh, did an uh, an ultrasound of his hand, an x-ray, And they discovered what they described as a solid mass. They were concerned enough to refer us immediately to a surgeon. And so the next day, we met with the surgeon who reviewed the ultrasound and x-rays and recommended that we do a biopsy of it to see what it was. And his recommendation was, since there was a need for a biopsy, that he just go in and remove the entire mass. And so we agreed to do that. That was in early September of 2021. And they removed the mask successfully. And uh, Sebastian went home with almost 30 stitches on his hand and a full arm cast. The sad part for us was that uh, we had to wait over four weeks uh, to receive a diagnosis of what we were facing. On October 6th of last year, we got the call that. I think um, is every parent's worst nightmare. We got a call from the oncologist saying that our son uh, had cancer, uh, that he had myoepithelial carcinoma. Uh, we used the acronym MEC, and uh, we were um, told to immediately uh, check into the hospital. And so uh, we did so, and um, that night they did a series of scans chest CT, you know, MRIs, and the next morning we received even worse news. They discovered 11 nodules in his lungs, which meant that the cancer had spread from his hand to his lungs, uh, what's known as metastatic stage four cancer. The doctor told us that um, the prognosis was poor for his survival, that he would need to uh, begin chemotherapy immediately. And so that was the beginning of a journey that has now been uh, over a year now.
0: Yeah, that sounds very, very challenging and very difficult to hear news that's that devastating and to know that the cancer had advanced to stage four. And you also said earlier, I mean, this is a very rare cancer, so not a lot is known about it. And it's a very aggressive cancer and so on. So what have you learned about this MEC to date? And tell us about how rare it is and how it is treated and what happened in Sebastian's treatment.
3: You know, the first night we were in the hospital, we uh, did what most parents would do. And you go to the internet and do an internet search for myoepithelial carcinoma. And we found very little. We found a few scientific articles that had been written about it. What we quickly learned was that our oncologist at the University of New Mexico Hospital had never heard of this cancer, had never treated it before. We quickly learned that that there were very few physicians and oncologists around the country who had ever seen or treated it. And so this is what some uh, scientists have referred to as an ultra-rare cancer, a cancer that has no, um, there's no data and statistics to tell us, oh, this cancer, um, you know, occurs in 500 kids a year or 1,000 kids a year. This is a cancer that's so rare that has never really been studied. What we do know is that only a few cases a year um, are diagnosed in the U.S. There's a dire need for even the basic uh, scientific research into what is myoepithelial carcinoma, what causes it, Uh, what is the basic biology of that. Because that type of research had never been done before, there was no proven treatments, there was no standard protocol, and obviously no cure. The chemotherapy that our oncologists treated him with was essentially throwing any chemo at it that they thought might work. And so he endured 10 rounds of grueling chemotherapy over eight months, has had four surgeries, and is now considered in partial remission.
0: Great news about the partial remission. I'm really glad to hear that. Chemotherapy is really difficult on anyone. Adults, too. And so for a child, this must be extremely hard to go through. So tell us a little bit about what's been the impact on your family, on Sebastian, to go through those 10 rounds of chemo?
2: Dr. Karen, I want to thank you so much for acknowledging that because chemo was never designed for children and for growing bodies. And yet we are forced to go ahead with that treatment because it is the only treatment available. And yet it many times it does not work anyway. And so in within those eight months, he went through these 10 brutal rounds And with each round, he needed multiple transfusions, blood transfusions, platelet transfusions. You know, he reached his threshold to where then you start to worry about hearing loss, you start to worry about heart damage, you start to worry about liver and kidney damage, permanent damage that cannot be reversed. These are all the risks that parents take when they agree for this treatment. And so that is why. Looking for different cures and different options for treatments is so important to us and has become, you know, really our passion because the national budget for cancer research in general, only 4% is goes to pediatric cancer research. If you have a rare cancer like ours, that means 0%. And what happens and what we learned in this journey is that that burden of finding researchers to do that research and funding it all goes down to the families. You know, that's why we were, uh, we knew right away we would need to start a nonprofit organization, one, so that any other family um, who gets this diagnosis has a place to go for information and a resource to connect with other families and learn from their treatments would, you know, may have worked or may have not t- so that we can champion and spearhead research into, the, into MEC and advance that.
0: You know, it's quite a burden. I'm thinking a family's already going through so much and you're dealing with your precious child and all the side effects and so on. And then to have the burden also of having to raise funds for the research of the very cancer that your child has. And one of the things about your story that I think is quite profound is that you were not only just thinking about your child, Sebastian, but you're also thinking about, other children who are going through this, other families who are going through this as well. Tell us a little bit about the research project, a little bit about how that works, the partners who are involved, and what are your goals in the fundraising?
3: Shortly after our son's diagnosis um, and after learning that virtually nothing was known about MEC, there was no proven treatments, we set a goal for ourselves to change all of that. That, um, that we were going to do everything in our power, as any parent would, uh, to save their uh, kid's life. Because both of us come from, you know, nonprofit um, and advocacy backgrounds, that's where we went to first. And so, after recognizing that there was uh, nothing known about MEC, we knew that we had to find the scientists to do that basic biology and research. We were very fortunate early on to be uh, recommended uh, to a nonprofit research lab in Portland, Oregon called the Children's Cancer Therapy Development Institute, CCTDI. They do cutting edge uh, scientific research into finding treatments and cures for pediatric cancers. And so we got in touch with them after their uh, executive director um, heard our story. He took it upon himself to do some of his own research uh, on us and came back to us within only a couple of days and said that he had an opportunity to to learn more about us and our personal stories. And um, that since we have dedicated our lives to giving back to our communities, that this was karma coming back to us. And at that point, he Um, Offered uh, to take on um, the first ever MEC research project in the world. And so at that point, we entered into a collaboration and partnership with CCTDI. That type of research takes funding. You know, as Naomi mentioned, the burden of raising uh, those funds really falls on the families. Earlier this year in April, we started a GoFundMe campaign where we reached out to our friends and family and our personal and professional networks and asked for funds. And then we also knew that this was going to be a long journey. If you can imagine trying to both research a cancer that has never been studied and to find a cure for that cancer is going to take years. And so our goal was to, you know, ensure that Sebas Keep fighting until we find that cure. And so, you know, we we made the hard decision at that point to start our own nonprofit organization, uh, which is called Cure MEC. And the goal of Cure MEC is to raise the funds necessary to fund the research into finding treatments and eventually a cure for MEC. We also have a goal of bringing together other MEC patients and families with the goal of building a network of MEC families and patients who can not only learn from one another, but also to support one another through our cancer journeys. And lastly, because we learned that so few funding was going towards pediatric cancer research, and based on our own experiences having difficulties getting second opinions, Our third goal is to ensure that patients and families have access to the information that they need to make informed decisions about their children's treatment. And so we're embarking on various policy initiatives in New Mexico and supporting federal legislation that would increase uh, federal funding for pediatric cancer research.
0: That's phenomenal. And I have to say your website, curemec.org is excellent. It does a really good job of clearly describing what MEC is all about and talking to families in the language that they can understand and really have a little bit of a roadmap about where to go and what to do in their fight against this disease for their child as well. So I wanna applaud you on the website that you've created and the information that you've actually put on that website.
2: Walk in the footsteps of other families who have had to walk this journey you know with other different rare cancers we've have mentors um, we've been really fortunate to to have been taken on is in that way for guidance
0: that's phenomenal so let's talk a little bit about the goals you have financially with the fundraising and how people can actually give to the cause would you mention something about that now so people will understand the scope of it how big it is, funds you've already raised, and the various ways they can actually participate.
2: So our project with the Children's Cancer Therapy Development Institute, right now it's a three-year project, and the budget for each year is $300,000. So it's a total of $900,000 for that project with the Children's Cancer Therapy Development Institute. Just last week, uh, we gave them, um, they granted them our first grant of sixty-seven thousand five hundred dollars, um, and we're excited for the work that's already been underway in terms of the research. And then, you know, we're also going to be looking into other um, avenues in terms of researching different different treatments that are worth exploring. We'll continue to be raising additional funds, but our focus right now is to make sure that that project with the Children's Cancer Therapy Development Institute is fully funded for those first three years.
0: That's great. And so how can people get to the right place and give?
2: Yeah, so our website is cure, M-E-C, so dot org and people can donate directly there. We are non nonprofit. We are fiscally sponsored right now as we await our 501c3 approval, but all donations are tax deductible through our fiscal sponsor, and um, they can make donations directly to that
0: site. That's phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, it's amazing to me that you have already collected the amount of funds you've collected and gave your first donation to the research institute to start the work right away and so that really speaks to your commitment to your heart for of course your son and also for other people as well one of the things i know is that going through a journey like this is not easy it's very difficult it's hard on the family you've had to at times move to california to really get the treatment for your son and so on tell us a little bit more about what has been the impact on your family and also on your older son, Santiago, to go through this as well.
2: There's a saying in the cancer community that um, they are, cancer patients are warriors and they're heroes. And that is absolutely true. And it is also absolutely true of their siblings because a cancer diagnosis asks a lot of a family, all members. And you know Santiago is just 15 months older than Sebas. So he's four years old now and Sebas is three for those eight months of cancer treatment, of chemo treatment, you know, we spent a lot of nights in the hospital for chemo, but we spent a lot of nights in the hospital for infections that he, he got related to his chemo. So with each cycle, we were always readmitted for at least five to seven days for an infection, which meant ultimately we spent two thirds of our time away from nights away from Santiago. And that, you know, feeds a wound that, will always be there. You know, They the two brothers have an incredible relationship. They love each other so much. And yet, as parents, you know, the truth is we could never be enough. It is impossible to be enough in that situation because of what is asked. Since we've been able to come home, we've really worked on, you know, as a family, our relationships and just being there for each other, um, taking care of one another as much, you know, with everything that we have and we can and ultimately to be as grateful as we possibly can for the moments that we have together. I would have never imagined to say there's anything beautiful about cancer. And yet you are given an incredible gift of perspective, you know, to really appreciate that every day is a miracle and it is a gift. And um, we are so fortunate for the many that we have. Than we've
0: had. That is really well said. Every day being a miracle and a gift. And the whole notion of really just redeeming the time, all of us ultimately are leaving here, and some of us just don't think about it and we aren't aware of it. And to be aware of the fragility of life and how important time with your loved ones is and to create those memories, you guys are doing an excellent job of that in very difficult circumstances.
3: It has been quite a journey. It's only been a year, much longer than that. And one thing I'll mention is that shortly after his cancer diagnosis um, and initially being treated at the University of New Mexico Hospital, as any parent would, we wanted to give Sebas the best chance of survival. For us, that meant seeking the top experts into rare children's cancers and so we made the difficult decision last november to um, transfer his care from new mexico to stanford children's hospital in california and what that meant for our family was one that naomi had to quit a job that she had just recently started that i had to go on a leave of absence from my work and that we had to pick up our lives and move to California. We were so fortunate to have Naomi's mother, who just happened to be visiting us from New Jersey at the time of his diagnosis. Uh, We were so fortunate that she was able to travel with us to California, and she was the one who was watching Santiago during those long days and nights that we were at the hospital and going back and forth, rotating, One person would stay at the hospital with Sebas, the other parent would go um, spend some time with Santiago. We were just so fortunate to have Kathy to be with us during those very difficult times. Yeah, it's been a sacrifice. Um, It's been uh, a difficult journey. But as Naomi mentioned, every moment with our children are priceless, they're so precious. We can't take enough pictures and videos because. We never know what will happen, and we want to be able to not only remember the memories that we're building today, we want to have those those pictures and videos um, to carry with us long into the future.
0: What a beautiful story about your mother-in-law really helping at that time, and it's wonderful that Santiago was able to spend time with his grandmother rather than a stranger, And so it just shows also the power of family in times of crisis and so on and the love that you were able to share together at that difficult time. And it was no accident that she happened to be with you at the time that you heard about the diagnosis. I always think, you know, sometimes God knows what we need and he sends the support in advance. We might not know why the person is there however it gets revealed ultimately why they're there and it's like oh okay perfect timing and so good she was able to just drop everything and go with you you know to california that is a blessing that's of huge and monumental proportions
2: i have to say throughout this entire journey we have been shown so much kindness by so many people that we know and that we don't know and um you know all we wanted to do is be able to cradle our child, you know, and we feel that in the way that we were able to physically cradle him, we were being cradled by a community and grief is so rough, is so hard. And yet I feel for us, the way that we've been able to sustain our strength and our faith is by letting in other people to carry it with us. And that is a lot to ask. And at the same time, we are so unbelievably grateful.
0: Yeah, that's a really important thing you said about the community of people who are coming alongside you so far, and I think still coming to support you in this journey, because this is a huge lift. It's difficult to do alone, and it's not intended that anyone should have to go through this alone. So I I love your heart to really acknowledge with gratitude what people are doing, how they're pouring in and loving you really through the situation and circumstance. And we're certainly inviting people who are hearing today to also step in and to continue to love you through this process. I'm aware, uh, particularly Naomi, in your case, being an artist and particularly being involved in community art, you've actually used your creative genius already. With Sebastian's song and putting that together. So, and what other ways are you using your creativity and your art to walk through this season?
2: Well, you know, I remember one time when we were in California and it was a particularly rough day. And I don't know, I was there with my mom, I was going to visit Santi's. Michael was at the hospital with Sebas, and I don't know what it was, but I was having a hard time. And I think I was pretty emotional and I, Said, I, I don't know what I said, but I remember what my mother said. She said, Well, you're gonna have to make something with it. And ultimately she was speaking of the grief that we you know, that we've been holding. And um, so just recently I put out a letter that I wrote, which is a request for beauty on behalf of my broken heart, is the title. And it is a letter born of my grief, but truly inspired by deep gratitude and the greatest love. And it's about asking people to to enter into my grief, but my grief is about my son. And it is also about all of our children and all of us moving forward in this world, you know, with um, the devastation of climate collapse and really the cost of our current way of living, what that means for the earth, who I consider to be my mother. And so, it's a request for people to respond to that letter by sending materials. And really, um, I'll just leave it there.
0: <laughs> well, it's a creative project because you're definitely asking for people to send in, I'll call it naturalistic materials. We know you're going to build something phenomenal about it and with it. And I'll say this is a vehicle for moving through the grief not necessarily staying in it permanently. However, to be able to travel through it, come out the other side and be enriched in any case. So it's a project of love. It's a project of light and hope and journey. And you're using your talents and your gifts to create that.
2: Really, we're, we're going to build a physical boat with these materials that get sent in. And the boat is a place to invite children to dream in that space and to invite people who are in that really precious place between living and dying people who are ill to come and dream in it as well. And we're going to make something with these dreams, something that's truthful and something that we'll be able to share with everyone.
0: That is really beautiful. I love that. (laughs) And you know, it's no accident that you've been given these tremendous gifts that you're actually using at this time also, yeah, that, that's a blessing. And Michael, in your case, we know that your career has certainly prepared you for this time as well. What are some of the work-related skills that you're now repurposing for the benefit of your family in this season?
3: Yeah, you know, one thing that um, that I've learned about myself is that I process grief in these kinds of challenging times uh, differently than than others and for me the only way that i've been able to get through a single day is really to stay busy for me this is a time of action we were told that um, early on uh, by a friend and colleague that this was a time of action and it really resonated with me you know over the last year i have been spending and any spare moment i have uh, helping to develop this organization, Cure MEC, drafting content, drafting social media posts, trying to connect with legislators, developing you know, a strategic plan for the organization, fundraising plans, um, all in coordination, of course, with Naomi. And we have a, a really tremendous uh, team of volunteers who have uh, stepped in to help us uh, every step of the way. You know, there are times when um, I need to spend time in nature. That's how I ground myself. And so whether it be in the front yard um, or going for a walk or going on a kayak on a lake or going camping, um, all of which I we take our, our children with us, but those are the outdoor experiences and spending time with mother nature has really enabled me to kind of keep going as you can imagine this is a very challenging time and you know if i even spend a minute thinking about what what could happen next i get very emotional and so my uh, way of coping has just been action action let's find scientists to partner with let's figure out how to get more donations in and so that's been Uh, some of the coping mechanisms that I've, that I've used over the past year, but it's really the skills that I've gained over the course of my advocacy career. You know, how do you bring people together around a common cause? How do you raise money for that cause? And uh, how do you put plans into action? So, as you said in your introduction, I really feel that my years of, of advocacy work really, truly have been in preparation for, for this moment. And, um, We're just doing all that we can. We're in a race against time. And we're just so appreciative of these types of opportunities to to elevate not only um, Sebastian's situation, but also um, the broader topic of pediatric cancer, um, something that we had never thought about uh, before this. Uh, But there are so many children, so many families being impacted by cancer Children are our future, and we need to uh, prioritize them. And uh, one way to do that is by ensuring that the scientists have the resources they need to study pediatric cancers and to find a cure for them all.
0: You know, I think it's significant, Michael, that you spent a, a lifetime really so far being a community organizer and bringing partnerships together. And so having that talent, knowing how to set up a nonprofit organization, the average person would have no clue how to do that. And to be able to do it so quickly is amazing that you have been able to do that. And so you're using your skills to stay in action, to keep this in the forefront. Because as you said earlier, there's really essentially zero funding for this type of cancer already out there. And I really appreciate too, Michael, that you talked about What is it that you're doing to to replenish yourself like the time in nature, the walks in nature and having the boys to go with you as well? What else would either one of you like to share about what you're doing that's feeding your soul right now through this season?
2: I think making memories with the boys. um, Recently, we took them to our boys love monster trucks (laughs) and we took them to a monster jam truck show. (laughs) They got all decked out wearing race car, uh, (coughs) driving outfits. And it was a really special experience and it really honored their dreams, which right now focus on wheels, anything with wheels. I think that creating memories like that, um, and, and, you know, that was more extravagant, but no, whether it's like, we're going to have a picnic in the living room and a pizza party. no, it's really just thinking about, about celebrating, you know, um, And I think I think that's
3: something
0: I love that. Yes, celebrating. And, you know, when you watch the video, you can see the spirit, I would say, of both of your boys, which is just delightful. Tell us a little bit, you know, about Sebastian and what he's like and what there is to celebrate in this precious little boy.
2: I'm smiling from ear to ear because (laughs) there is so much to celebrate with him. He is a free wild spirit. He, I used to say, you know, I would make up songs where, you know, the verses about him would be his eye. He'd be looking at the sky, his head in the clouds, you know, or right all the way to the ground, looking in the dirt. He has a wonderful imagination, hysterical, <laughs> the way he talks about things. He has an amazing vocabulary and he can use it very well. He, to charm people or or to persuade people um as Santiago as well but ultimately I will say this he has the biggest heart and like just to give you and when he loves he loves with all of it so you know after he'd be fasting all day and had to go through a procedure a surgery you know he would be getting out of the post anesthesia unit and they would offer him a popsicle and he would want to save that popsicle for Santi. You know, when he would get, they would give him a car, these little hot wheel cars when we would go, you know, for any appointment he would have. And the, the child life specialist there always knew he had to get two cars and he would always give Santiago whatever car Santiago wanted. He looks out for people. He looks out for all of us. And He's just incredibly thoughtful and loving, and we are all better with him here.
0: That is so wonderful. So it sounds like he has a generous heart, just like his parents. So it's going from one generation to the next. I love that. I love that story. I know in the video, one of the scenes I enjoyed watching and I'm sure he's seen this done many times. He had that stethoscope and he was so serious about taking <laughs> heart reading. And I said, wow, I mean, he looks like he knows what he's doing. So clearly very bright and delightful child. And I'm so glad you have so much to celebrate in him at this point. Let me ask this, their families going through this, what encouragement would you give to other families during this season? I already heard you say, make the memories and celebrate. What else would you share with them?
2: Um, Just given how much we have been given by connecting with other families who have gone through um, similar journeys, Really, to see if it's possible to reach out or if it's possible to be connected with other families who are struggling in the same way. And we offer ourselves in that space because you really do feel invisible in that, you know, in this space. And it is incredible to meet um, others and immediately feel seen. And we would like to do that for them.
3: It's an incredibly lonely feeling uh, to be a parent. Uh, of a child with cancer. No one fully understand, they can kind of imagine, but unless you're in it, you can never imagine the nightmare um, that we are living. And so other families who are going through this, uh, we want to be able to connect with them. We encourage them to connect with others so that they don't feel alone. They aren't alone. Uh, We are a community. And one thing we've learned is that the pediatric cancer community is incredibly close had an opportunity to travel to Washington, D.C. to attend what was called CureFest, which was a, an event for families and uh, children who are um, fighting cancer. And um, it was really the first time that, um, that I didn't feel so alone being around this wonderful community, many of whom, uh, many of the parents whom have, had lost their children, which was incredibly sad, but others whose children are still alive and fighting, um, having those connections with other families has been incredibly important uh, for us.
0: I love the fact that you have created that community through the website as well. So again is curemec.org, people can go there, join the community and get the support and support each other through this journey. Let's say again what people can do to participate so one thing i'm going to ask my community to do is to pray for a miracle of healing we're talking to a predominantly faith-based community today and i know that there are prayer warriors out there so please pray for sebastian and please pray for other children who are going through situations like this secondly this research is so important so being able to donate funds for the research And is another way people can participate and they can record a song, add to Sebastian's song, because you play that song for him as part of his healing therapy, his healing journey. What else would you say people can do to make a difference?
3: For information on how to record and submit a song, they can go to our website, curemec.org, and there's a page specifically for Sebastian's song. Another thing we'd encourage people to do is. If you are on social media, follow our page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and please share our page. The more that we can get our story out there um, into the world, the more that um, uh, that people will understand uh, what we're going through and really help them understand the broader plight of of children who are who are fighting cancer. So that's another thing that uh, that people can do.
2: And I would just add. Um, for the to the prayer request. So on December 6th, Sebastian will be going for his next round of scans. So partial re- remission, it, it means that there is still cancer in his body. And so th- this, we're, we're very worried for the next scans. I mean, that, I think that's the case for any, any parent when they're getting ready to go for scans. So those prayers mean the world to us. We'll be asking people the night before December 5th, to light a candle on December 6th. We did that last time. Um, And, you know, we feel like those lights will connect to our light and ultimately we'll send, you know, we'll send healing and faith out to our boy.
0: Great. Thank you for bringing that up as well. And we'll be sure to promote it on that day too. So people can be reminded Of that opportunity. So, as we're hastening to a a close at this point, just briefly, you know, the audience is predominantly corporate executives. What words of wisdom would you like to leave to that audience of corporate executives?
3: You know, one thing is that, uh, you know, they say children are our greatest teacher. And Sebastian has really uh, epitomized that for us. He's touched so many people. He's opened up his heart to them and they've opened up their heart uh, to him. And so one thing that folks can can think about and and practice is, you know, if if there are children in their lives, whether it be their own children, grandchildren or their friend's children, uh, to connect with them and to really open up your hearts uh, to them. They can teach us so much if we just pause for a moment and let them uh, fill our lives with joy. The other thing I'll mention is that one thing we've learned is that the power of play is so very important and the power of joy. When Sebastian would come out of chemo treatment, he would be really tired and sick. He would see his brother and they would start playing and it was the power of play and joy that I think really was able to get him through the chemo and was able to get us through it as well. So get out there and play and
0: experience joy. Enjoy the children. I love that. And learn the lessons from them. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Naomi, for being here with me today. And I hope that many people will join in the community and make a difference with you. Thank
3: you so so much, so much, Dr. Karen.
0: You are welcome. And I'd like to just close this segment today with a Bible verse. It comes from Matthew, the 19th chapter, and it's verses 13 and 14. Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. So my prayer is that God will touch little Sebastian, lay his hands on him, just as Jesus laid his hands on the little children in this account. We know that God loves children, cares about the children, and so we're praying for a miracle of healing for Sebastian. leadership resources.